Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. And so we're going to continue today just talking about relationships because I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, a lot of relationships need work. And there's a lot of external things in this world that are trying to tear down relationships, whether it's relationships in your family or relationships with your children, relationships with your spouse or with coworkers. It is a big deal to understand how to navigate successfully and to have good, godly relationships. And so today we're going to talk from the standpoint of the marriage relationship. And this applies whether you're single or married, whether you've been through a divorce or whether you haven't had a good picture of what a godly marriage looks like. I believe that as we look at the Word of God, that He can give us things that maybe we've never seen before, that He can transform things, that He can change things in our past, and He can give us a clear picture of what the future of godly relationships can look like. And so we're going to dive in and look at that today. You guys ready for that? All right. So the Bible says in Ephesians 5 verse 33, this is a great foundation that I think is important when we talk about marriage. It says, each one of you should also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So there's this foundation and understanding that the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus to get them to understand these two components of love and respect. And so I want to pray as we get to the word today to help us understand what God has for us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be together. Holy Spirit, I pray over these next few moments that you would do something great in this place, that you would bring healing, that you would bring restoration, that you would rebuild things in people's hearts and lives, that there wouldn't be a spirit of condemnation, but Lord, that you would bring conviction through your Holy Spirit, that you would, uh, Lord, help hope to rise up on the inside, regardless of their past, that you would give them hope for the future from your word. And we honor you today in this place, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Think of your marriage like a garden. I've got a picture up on the screen. They're going to shoot up there. But when you think about a garden, a beautiful garden doesn't happen accidentally, right? It takes intentionality. It takes purpose. It takes a lot of work, (laughs) W-O-R-K. And you see this pretty little um, uh, flower arrangement here. A flower, a garden, it takes water. It takes sunlight. Those of you that are gardeners, any gardeners here, you know that it takes some work. you got to pull weeds. And so it is in our marriage, in our relationships. We have to intentionally and consistently sow seeds of kindness, of forgiveness, of grace, of love and respect. That's like water and sunlight to our marriage. And on the other hand, if you look at this next picture, You'll see a dry and barren garden, which really shows that there's been no intentionality. There's been no consistency or anything to help this garden to flourish. And so it is in in marriage. Sometimes people say, well, I I put a ring on her finger and that's that. And they just think, you know, I'm going to coast from there. But we can't put a snooze button on our relationship, on our marriage. We have to intentionally sow seeds and pull weeds of resentment, of fear, of of, uh, you know, strife, whatever it is that would keep the marriage from flourishing and growing. So 
I know for us, we've been married 17 years now. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. And uh, maybe not as many as some of you here. How many of you have been married more than 20 years? Come on, give these people a big hand. Awesome. How about more than 30 years? Anybody more than 30? Oh, come on. Awesome. Any, anybody more than 40? Wow. Awesome. We need to get them a special gift. Okay, afterwards, we need to give you a gift. Not that you need it. You, you guys are uh, just legends as it is. But, I mean, a, a good marriage, you know, we don't come today saying that we're, we have a perfect marriage or that we know everything, but we've made a decision. Yeah. We are going to fight for our marriage, not against each other. Yeah. We are going to seek to grow and strengthen our marriage, and we want to intentionally work at it. And so we're coming today just to share some of the things that we have learned. We're in the journey with you, yeah. uh, things that we are learning, things that have helped us in the journey to stay strong, to pull weeds, to sow good seeds. And so that's really the foundation of this passage in Ephesians 5.33. This love and respect is so important. Yeah. So, so we say love. Love. And respect. And respect. Now, immediately when you said those words, when you said love, men, let me just tell you this. The women are like, ah. And women, when you said respect, the men were like, yes. <laughs> so there's this understanding. Whenever, you know, we want to talk about marriage and we look at what the Bible says, there's these two components. It's like two sides of a coin that are merged together. It's this understanding of love and respect. Now, in a marriage relationship or really in any relationship that when one thing is not given, then the other thing usually is not received. And so then things can get out of control. And so no love equals no respect. And no respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, equals <laughs> no love. And it's amazing how easy it is for things to get out of control in a relationship because one of those two things are not happening. And I just want to encourage you today, as Sarah said, it's not about being perfect. It's about God perfecting you. It's about God working in you. It's about God strengthening you. Mm. And if we learn anything from the Bible, it's that God doesn't want us to stay the way that we are. It's, good. it's that the Bible actually helps us in the renewal process. And so if we're going to have strong marriages and families, which should be the goal to have strong marriages and families, then we need God to really work on us and God to be in the center. Yeah. And let me just encourage you right now. It's not about what hasn't happened. It's about what will happen as you move forward. So don't take this word on marriage and having a strong relationship and feel guilty about what you didn't do. Allow it to be motivation about what you can do. Yeah, don't good. don't feel like, oh, because I went through this or I made this decision that, that God can't work in my life because from this moment forward, God can do miracles. In yeah. fact, the Bible says that his mercy's new every morning. Amen. That's a good place to say amen. Yeah, that's good. Every morning. Yeah. His mercy is new. I know for myself growing up, my parents, you know, they got a divorce when I was 10 years old. And I, I know the pain and the, the hurt that went through that, you know, that situation. And as I was growing up, you know what, I just determined that regardless of what my history looked like, that God could have a different future for my life. Yeah. And so I know even in our marriage, you know, at different seasons, it would have been very easy to just say, you know what, I'm just done with this. She doesn't understand me. You know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. So we just may live on just different planets. 
It would have been easy to give up. But you know what? Average is for anybody can live average, right? It doesn't take a lot of faith to do what everybody else does. But you know what? God will give you strength and faith to get beyond average. I believe we're called to live exceptional, exemplary lives here on this earth, that we are part of his kingdom and that God can help us and strengthen us. And so that's what we've determined, that you know what? We're going we're gonna to fight through this. We're going to work together. And so you can stop that crazy cycle in your marriage or in a relationship by simply giving even when you don't receive. I'm going to give, that. yeah, giving even when you don't receive. So if at times, which there's maybe only been one or two times this week that <laughs> I haven't felt the respect, but you know what? I, I make a decision, you know what? I'm going to give her love. And on the reverse of that, there's probably a multiplied amount of times when I haven't given the love and she's given me respect anyways. And when she doesn't, I try to remind her. So, <laughs> so I think it's really important that we understand this is really a foundation for biblical living and having a great godly marriage. Yeah, and I believe that God doesn't want our marriages just to survive. Yeah. God wants our marriages to thrive. Mm. God wants us to enjoy um, our spouse and to enjoy the life he's given us. And I think the only way to do that is to put God first. Yeah. And, and that's what you're doing today. The fact that you're here um, in church, you're hearing the word of God, you are making a decision to put God first yeah. and you're going to see the reward in your life. But, you know, for us, I think that's what it comes down to always going back to, right. you know, are we keeping God first? Because if we're just looking at the other person to fulfill every single need in our life, we will always be left disappointed. Your spouse mm. cannot fill every void in your life. Only yeah. Christ can fill yeah. the void in our hearts and yeah. our life. And actually, as we seek him first, I found when I'm closer to Jesus, I'm actually a better wife. I'm yeah. actually more loving and more forgiving and have more grace because I'm I'm spending time with the Lord. And I'm, I'm saying, Lord, help me to become more like you. Yes. You know, the more we get around Jesus, he walks in the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> so then we begin to walk more in the fruit of his spirit. So uh, putting God first will help us stop the crazy cycle. Yeah. I know in my life, there have been times that I've sowed the wrong seeds, um, seeds of complaining and fault finding and even venting to God, like, why, why am I not seeing this? And why is my husband doing this? And the Lord has convicted me and said, mm. Sarah, write down all the good things that you see in your husband and write down all the, the all the times that he's done things and all the things that he's done. And then, uh, tell him, mm. tell him. Why don't you amazing- just practice that right now? <laughs> Just give them a good example. <laughs> what would some of those things be? You have a, you are words of affirmation, I think. Mm. <laughs> uh, really, sincerely, my husband, he is such a hard worker, and he has multiple times humbled himself and said, hey, what can we do to make things work? And I think that is um, really admirable just as a, as a man just to say, hey, what do we need to do to make things work? And so he is very generous. He is full of love. He's an incredible father. And he loves our kids. And I'm, I'm grateful for yeah, all I'm that feeling, he does. I'm feeling better already. Just feeling a little is- down, a little discouraged, <laughs> and woo, just went way up. And this is homework for those of you that are married today. Homework for lunchtime. Think of all the good things that your spouse does. Instead of dwelling on the negative, yeah. begin to think about the positive. Because what will happen is even those things that you think are lacking, they'll begin to shift. And I've seen that happen in our life. It stops the crazy cycle. When I, when I sow the right seeds, then I begin to see a, a harvest. Philippians 2, 4 says, Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but to the interest of others. And really, that's what it, it comes 
comes down to is seeking, you know what, yeah. what do I need to do? Maybe, you know, his love language is, is words of affirmation. So I need to build him up. I need to begin to speak life over him. I need to speak uh, just how grateful and thankful I am for him. So uh, thinking about how can we look yeah. at the other person's needs. That's so good. It leads us to our first point, I think, if you're taking notes or mental notes or writing on your arm or something, <laughs> writing on your spouse's arm <laughs> or texting them if they're not here. First point <laughs> is this. Make communication a priority. Yes. Communication is so important. I mean, just even as Sarah, you know, was illustrating, just telling them, sometimes you think, oh, well, they know. Well, how do they know? Yeah. Well, they know just because they should know that I care about them. I appreciate them. They're awesome. They're amazing. Well, why don't you just go a step further and tell them? Tell them. Let's practice this right now. Tell the person next to you. It doesn't have to be your spouse. If it is, tell them. Just tell them you're doing better than you think. You're doing better than you think. You're doing better now, than you think. Thank you. Now, find choice number two. There's always a second choice. Find another person and tell them, you also are doing better than you think. <laughs> you also are. <laughs> yeah. See how good you feel just by someone saying, hey, you're doing pretty good. You're actually doing better than you think. Communication is so vital. The Bible says in James 1 and verse 19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So this understanding of communication is so vital. And sometimes in a relationship, whether it's a marriage or whether it's a co-worker situation, a family situation, sometimes your communication doesn't have to always be what you see or what has happened. Sometimes you need to just communicate by faith. The Bible says, you know, that I believe and therefore I speak. That's the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith is I believe and therefore I speak. Sometimes you just need to confess the things that you would like to see instead of saying the things that you already see. It, it, I mean, it, it doesn't take any faith to say, you know what, you're an idiot, you're lazy, you're whatever, you complain, whatever the excuse is. It doesn't take any faith to speak the natural things, but it takes faith to say, you know what, I am so grateful for you, even if you don't feel it. You know what, I love you, even if you don't feel the love. Oh, you know, I'm so thankful for this, this, and this. So sometimes the simple communication is, is communicating the right thing, not the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. it's, and, and the reality is that men and women see things differently. And we've used this illustration before. I changed the glasses from blue to yellow, but it's the same principle. Yeah. That in life, men and women see things differently. I mean, if I were to look at this, I could clearly 100% without a doubt tell you that this bottle is yellow. Looks pink to me. Would you guys tell her that this bottle is not pink? This <laughs> bottle is yellow. And so I see it as yellow. And sometimes it's just the reality that we see things differently. Mm -hmm. It's not good, bad, or otherwise. It's just different. And when you understand the differences, then you can begin to appreciate this spouse. You can begin to appreciate the opposite sex. You can begin to appreciate their, their point of view. And you, you know what? There have been so many times in my own life that I think I have it figured out, and I'm grateful that she has a different perspective. In fact, it has saved our lives so many times when I'm trying to go wonder. She's like, no, 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 you don't need to do that. What are you talking about? No, 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 I know exactly what we're supposed to do. No, 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 no. Have you thought about this? Oh, no, I haven't thought about that. So the other perspective actually is sent by God to help us. And so communication is so yeah. vital. So let's not, let's not look at the difference, but let's enjoy the difference. In fact, you know, the things that I used to love about Sarah before we got married are the things that many times now I complain about. And then I have to remind myself, wait a minute, I love that about her. She used to get lost all the time when we were engaged. 
And guess who she would call on the phone? Her knight in shining armor. She'd be like, I don't know where I am. Well, hold on. Let me stop everything. Let me save the day. What does the <laughs> sign in front of you say? I don't read any signs. Okay. <laughs> Let me GPS track you on my phone, and I will locate where you are, and I will help you to navigate successfully where you need to go. And you know what? That used to make me feel so good. And then we got married. <laughs> and at first, it was like, okay, I'll help you. And then after the second year and the third year. I am getting better. And the 17th year, I'm lost. <laughs> I begin to realize I don't feel the same love anymore when she's lost. <laughs> so the thing that I loved, actually, I started to resent. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that God would put you together in a marriage relationship with someone who's different than you? It's probably because the two become one, and there are things that they can add to the puzzle that God is building, which is your life. And so communication is so vital. Yeah. One thing that's helped us is we did the five love languages test. How many of you have heard of five love languages by Gary Chapman? Uh, it's a great book. Uh, you can actually download the free quiz online, and even without reading the book, you can see what's your top love language and the way that you give and receive love. And not that we, you know, build our whole life upon just that, but it really does help in working through things with your spouse. There's five different love languages that he talks about in this book, and the first one is quality time. Some people, that's their love language. When they get quality time, they feel loved. Some people, it's through words of affirmation. Um, and maybe as you're sitting and, and thinking about it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's me. Uh, some people, it's through acts of service. If they, you know, work 60 hours a week, that, that's their love language. And they may not say, I love you, but through their acts, they're saying they love you. Uh, some people through physical touch. Some people through gift giving. Some people through all of these. How many of you are just like all of these? Uh, thank you One, very much. One, two, three, four. Is there six or <clears throat> is there more? I like them all. <laughs> but this really helped us in talking about some of the differences and really then helped me to begin to say, okay, if this is his main love language, what can I do that will show him that I love him? And then even him doing the same thing towards me, thinking about, okay, because mine is quality time. I mean, if I get quality time, that I feel loved. And so <laughs> you're trying to give me quality time in front of all these people? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> don't pay attention to them. It's just me and you, quality time. So something that helped us is, you know, just looking at one another's love language and thinking, you know what, let's communicate in a way that they can understand. It's yeah. like trying to speak another language, like me speaking to Caleb in Chinese where he speaks English. You know, he's mm. not going to understand it. So sometimes we can be thinking that we're saying something to our spouse, but yeah. it not really be getting through because it's in a way that they don't really receive Entiendo love. Español. Okay, you speak Mi Spanish. Amor. I know, you love Spanish. Te amo. Yeah. <laughs> he loves Spanish. The language of love, right? So communication is so vital. And, you know, one thing about communication is not just what you're communicating, but also what's not being communicated and what's causing distractions in the communication cycle. So looking at, you know, why are we not communicating effectively? What is it that we're allowing in that's distracting or hindering? I think today, you know, one of the biggest distractions is the thing we carry in our pocket or our purse. And, you know, we carry everybody with us. We carry all the work with us. We carry all our social Facebook friends with us. We carry everything <laughs> with us. And it's like, oh, I don't have time for you when I'm with you because I have to respond to Joe and I have to respond to Sally and I have to, you know, tell people what I'm doing with you so that they'll understand that I'm with you instead of just being with you. And I'm as guilty as the rest of you 
in some of those things. Or if it's not that, it's something else that can cause distraction. And here's what I found. The enemy, if he can't, uh, if he can't detour your life, then he'll distract your life because mm. distractions will lead to detours and distractions yeah. will lead to loss of vision. And when you've lost vision, then you don't know where your focus is. And when you don't know where your focus is, you won't end up at the right direction. And so it's not, you know, always that you've fallen off the wagon and you need picked back up. Sometimes you just need clarification when you're on the wagon where you're going. And distractions can keep you from that. Yeah. So in a marriage relationship, when you're communicating, look for things that are causing distractions. It can be... Uh, it can be schedule things that are out of alignment. It can be too much commitments. I mean, even recently uh, in a new position that I have w- with the ministry and the mission outreaches that we're doing, uh, you know, I was also doing my master's online. I'm traveling and, you know, we have a family and she's working and all these things. And I was, came to her the other day. I said, man, I've got to change something. And so I had to write to my professors and I had to drop some of the classes that I was taking from a master's online because it was a variable. It was something I was adding by my choice. But you know what? It was allowing four or five hours every Sunday night where I was not able to be with my wife and I had to get my projects in. And in this season, it was something that was optional. But yet, if I just allow it to stay in my life, then it could cause Un, you know, uh, uh, tension. It could cause strife. It could cause things that don't need to be there. So sometimes it's as simple as evaluating what is it that uh, that is optional in my life that could be causing distraction or that could be causing you know uh, you know problems. Yeah. And if I can change that, then why not change that for a season? You can add those things later so that you can have a strong and successful, healthy marriage. So communication is so vital. The second thing that we look at is this understanding that I'm not fighting against my wife in the marriage, I'm fighting for my marriage. So it's learning to fight right and continually forgive. Forgiveness is one of the most important elements. And when we talk about this concept, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, verses 15, and then 26 through 32, it talks about speaking the truth in love, not letting the sun go down on your wrath or angry, but not letting unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only the things that are helpful for building up. And then at the end of that passage in verse uh, uh, 30, 31, 32, it says, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. So in the marriage, your spouse is not the problem. Okay. You need to understand God gave you that wife. God gave you that husband. So they're not the problem. They're the answer. So instead of fighting against my wife, you know what? We've determined we're going to fight for our marriage. We're going to get back to back and we're going to come against every attack of the enemy, every distraction, every lying imagination. And we're going to believe God that he's going to work. And you know what? Even though we're not perfect and we make mistakes and we get our focus off at times, when you have that understanding that I'm going to fight for my marriage, it's amazing how God will help you. And so this is something that I think everybody can learn to do more effectively. So good. It's inevitable that you're going to have differences of opinion, right? Because Mm -hmm. we see things different. So you're going to have differences of opinion and you're going to have needs that you need to voice. So we're not saying that you don't voice those needs or that you don't voice challenges, but there's a way to do it in a sense of where you're seeking to come to a resolve, where you're seeking to come to an agreement. And there's power when you come into agreement. So in sharing the the challenges that you might face, um, do it in a way that helps come to brings you both into a place where you're in unity. Um, Even if you voice say, you know what, I 
I'm, I'm really needing this. And can we talk about this? And can we resolve this situation? Can we work through this situation and give yourself that time to work through it? Sometimes it could be through going to marriage counseling for a season. Sometimes it could be getting counsel from your pastors and leaders and saying, hey, help us talk through this. Help us walk through this. And getting that counsel and then applying it. But seek to come to that place of humility and unity. Because where there's unity, God commands his blessing. Psalms 133. Where there's unity, there is blessing and favor. And so, you know, one thing that uh, James 3.16 says is that strife actually opens the door to every evil work. Mm. And whenever I remember that, I think, oh God, I want to shut the door to confusion and every evil work. So I know I have to guard against strife and division and um, nip those things in the bud. And sometimes they can be little things that just kind of pile up, you know, those little foxes that spoil the vine, Um, the little things that kind of just add up and just aggravate and then boom, you know, something big blows up. Or it could just be something big that you're you're disagreeing on. But make a decision. You know what? We're going to come to a resolve on this. We're going to come together in unity. And there's been times when we've had to say, okay, let's just stop talking about this and let's pray. Mm. What a novel idea, right? <laughs> Sometimes it takes hours to get to the simple conclusion. And, and as soon as Because you want to be right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I want to be, right. be right. I want right. to be right. I want to be right. And then it's like after two hours of both of us wanting to be right, it's like, okay, we'll just pray now. (laughs) And you know what? I would encourage you, if you aren't already praying together as a couple, start praying together. Uh, Hold hands and pray together. I mean, whether you're in the car and you're getting ready to go somewhere, you're talking through something, prayer is powerful because it's hard to pray with somebody and still be in strife with them. Mm. Have you tried that? You're like, You know, you can't really do it. But when you're praying together, <laughs> you start growing in love for that person. Yeah. When you begin to pray for that spouse, you know, prayer is powerful. Begin to speak and pray life and pray unity. There's power in agreement. Yeah. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to Amen. flight. So when you get in that prayer of agreement, miracles happen. We've seen miracles happen in our kids and our finances when we start praying together as a couple. It's powerful. It's good. So think about what are those things that is bringing the conflict in the marriage and try to identify identify what those distractions could be or what those obstacles are. Sometimes it's just natural things. You know, people, the number one reason that people get into d- disagreements and arguments in marriage is over money. And so we allow an external thing to produce something internal that then causes friction in a relationship when that's something that can be fixed and something can be adjusted. And so that's why here at church we have classes like the Financial Peace University, helping people get out of debt, helping people plan uh, better, more effectively with their resources and their finances. And so if it's something like that, don't allow that to be the thing that tears you away from the person that you said you love. I mean, money is just a temporal thing. I mean, you're going to have some one day and not have enough the next day. I mean, it's going to come and it's going to go. But don't allow that to tear away in the marriage relationship. And it's so sad this happens on a regular basis. And we're not saying that these are not things that are easy to fall into. But what we are saying is that if you determine in your heart before you get to some of these pitfalls, then you'll be able to make it through that. I mean, we've been in seasons where, you know, things were, were out of balance in some area of our lives. 
and then we had to just recognize, you know what, we're going to address that, we're going to deal with that, we're going to fix whatever Downsize that thing is. if needed. <laughs> Go to a class. Yeah, it's whatever important. Whatever it is, yeah. We've seen marriages saved because they went through Financial Peace University. That's right. And so um, it really can make a difference just by adjusting the, some of those practical things. The so third, good. third and last key that we want to encourage you in is pursue one another. <laughs> Come on, say that. Say pursue. Pursue. You know, the Bible says that um, in Proverbs 5, 18, verse 19, rejoice with the wife of your youth. May, she, may you ever be captivated by her love. So whether you got married younger or older, it's still the wife of your youth. Whether it's your first wife, second wife, third wife, whatever, from this day forward, rejoice with the wife of your youth. Come on, women, say amen. Amen. And so the Bible gives us instruction on how to live and how to pursue. So once we say, I do, and, you know, the marriage starts, the pursuit shouldn't stop. And I've talked to people, and it's like, oh, yeah, we went on a date. That was in 1998. That was, I mean, come on. If that's the last time you went on a date, if it was like five years ago, you may want to hire a babysitter. You may want to readjust some things in your time. And if you're older and kids have gone out of the house or whatever season of life you're in, it's still important to figure out how to pursue your spouse. Paying a babysitter is cheaper than paying a divorce lawyer. Okay. That's tweetable right there. No, but it's true. Investing in your marriage on a consistent basis. You know, we, we do this every week. We talk about, we call it put our big rocks in first in yeah. the week. So we think about what are really important things? What's our priority? Let's put that in our schedule at the beginning of the week, at the beginning of the month, beginning of the year of when we're going to have time together as a couple and then as a family. And whether, even if it changes week to week as far as like maybe it's a lunchtime, maybe it's a dinner time, we make, we put it in the schedule so, because we believe it's important. And whatever is important, you put it in there. We put those big rocks in and then all the little rocks can come on top of that. But we've done it where we trade off with other families, you know. Uh, Chris and Heather have babysat our kids so that we could go on a date and we would babysit Bella the next night so they could go on a date. And if you need to do that, if you don't have the money for a babysitter, do that. Like trade off with your friends and say, hey, I'll watch your kids one night so you can go on a date. Whatever you need to do, there's a way, affordable way to make it work. Make an effort to uh, spend spend that time investing in one another because it will pay off. Yeah. So pursuit is so uh, powerful, but you need to make it a priority. And men, let me just encourage you, you've maybe heard this example, that women, uh, the pursuit uh, of a woman isn't something like a microwave. It's more like a crock pot. You know, it's slow. So she wants to, you know, she wants to know all day long that you love her, not just towards the end of the day. All right. So, uh, you know, just understand pursuing your spouse is not in the way that you want to be pursued. It's in the way that they need to be pursued. And so pursuit is something that we can all endeavor in more on a regular basis. And so wherever you are, if you're single, if you're married, these are keys that will help you in your relationships, but especially in having a strong marriage relationship and having it without regret. So thinking about, you know what, how well am I communicating? How well am I walking in forgiveness and fighting for the things that God has said that he established in the earth? And how am I pursuing? And I think it comes down to, as Sarah mentioned earlier, this concept and understanding that at the end of the day, I just want to seek God first. That I understand that if I prioritize my life in the right way by seeking Him first, then the Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, all these things will be added. 
So it's important for us to evaluate, am I really seeking God first? Am I putting him first? Have I, have I placed something else on the altar of my life first and then put God somewhere else on the list? Because God doesn't want to just be on the list. He wants to be first on the list. And when he's first, then everything else works out. But when he's third or fourth or fifth, then you're going to have a lot of continual trouble because that's not the system and the cycle that God designed. He designed for him to be first, nothing else. And then from that, everything will flow. And so I want to encourage you today that in having strong, godly, successful, healthy relationships, especially in marriage, it starts with you and God. It starts with you prioritizing God, putting him first. And what that looks like is up to you. You need to, to figure out, you know what, what does that mean? I need to spend more time in prayer. I need to spend more time reading the word. I need to prioritize things differently in my own heart so that I can love the people that God has put into my world. And I want to encourage you that when you live that way, it doesn't have to take years for God to work other things out. It doesn't have to, to take decades for God to restore things that maybe have been lost through decisions or lost because of circumstances. You know, the Bible says that God can restore things. He can rebuild things. And that's what we want to encourage you with hope today to understand that God can strengthen you. He wants to give you a vision of what the future could look like, but he also wants to strengthen you from your past. And so we're going to have a time of prayer today. Today, if you would, just stand all over this place. We're going to pray and agree with you. And hopefully these thoughts from the word have been encouraging and helpful to you. And at the end of the day, we recognize that we are servants of the Lord. We're surrendered to him, that, that he can have his way in our lives. And when we live that way, then he helps us in every other aspect of our lives. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place? I want us all to pray this prayer together today, and it's a prayer of commitment, a prayer of dedication and surrender to the Lord. And for those of you that are here and you recognize you're not right with God, this is your opportunity to put your faith in Him. It's your opportunity, as the Bible says, for you to receive salvation. And salvation doesn't come just through words. It comes through words that are backed with belief and faith. And so on the other side of this prayer is a belief that God is going to transform and heal and deliver and forgive, and that he's going to give you a fresh start. So if you need that today, pray this prayer along with everyone else in this room, and let's make sure that Jesus is first in our lives so everything else can be added. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of the past, every mistake that I've made. I surrender it to you. I ask you to save me. I ask you to transform me. I believe in you, that you died and that you were raised from the dead. And I accept you into my life. Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me now with the strength that I need to serve you every day. In Jesus' name. Now, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, the second group we want to pray for this morning is those of you that are here and you recognize you're in a situation, maybe devastating situation, maybe you don't have clarity for the future about a relationship or a situation that you're going through and you want someone to pray and agree with you. 
We feel strongly today that God wants to restore and he wants to rebuild and he wants to renew some vision and focus where some of you that have gotten off track, but it's going to take a step of faith for you to acknowledge, you know what, God, I need you to work and I need you to do a miracle and I need you to do it in my life. And so if that's you and you're here and you say, Pastor, I need you to, I I want you to pray and agree with me that God's going to work in this situation. He's going to work in my marriage. He's going to work in my family. He's going to work in this situation. He's going to work in my own heart where I've been hard and I need him to soften those hard areas. I need him to bring clarity where there's been confusion. If that's you all over this place, we want to pray for you. Just lift your hand wherever you are all over this place. I want to pray and agree with you. All right, all right, all right. Just lift it up wherever you are. Say, that's me, that's me. All right, maybe couples that are here today. Maybe individuals say, you know what, that's me, that's me. Would you do something bold right now? Would you just step out of your seat and come stand with us here at this altar? I want to pray and agree with you just for the next few moments. Just quickly, just step out. There's healing when you take a step of faith. There's forgiveness when you take that step of faith. There's faith when you step out and say, God, I'm believing you. I know it's going to take a miracle, but I'm believing you. So today, take that step as we come into agreement. You know, the word is only activated when you activate it. It only works when you allow it to work. So we're gonna pray and agree with you today here at this altar. We're gonna pray and we're gonna agree with you. Whatever you're going through, whatever situation and circumstance you're believing for, we're believing with you today in Jesus' name. Come on, just lift your hands and receive this prayer right now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for every person here. You know exactly what they're going through, what they're facing, and what they're believing for. And we pray, God, for healing and restoration in relationships today. We We pray for healing in individuals' hearts. Lord, those that have been wounded those that have felt brokenhearted, those that have been uh, even dealing with depression. We speak healing and freedom in their hearts. We pray, God, that you would bring healing and light and understanding to their eyes, to their heart of what to do and the steps that they're to take. God, I thank you that you are with them. You are for them. You are fighting their battles. And God, that they are not alone, that you are with them. And God, that you would strengthen them right now. You would give them grace and wisdom in their relationship and their family. And we pray those that have family members that are far from you, we pray they would come to know you, Jesus. We pray you would open their eyes. God, those that have spouses that aren't even saved, we ask, God, that you would move on their hearts. You would open their hearts to receive from you and that they would be saved, that their whole household would be saved and surrendered and following after you. And we just pray, God, we ask for healing and restoration in families that have been been on the brink of divorce. We buy the spirit of divorce, the spirit of strife and division that's tried to come against their families. And we pray peace. We pray, Lord, your healing. We pray humility, Lord, and and brokenness before you so that they can come to be reconciled to one another. We thank you, Lord God, for your healing, your peace inside of their homes, their families. And those singles that are believing God for the right spouse, God, we just agree with them, God, that you bring the right people, the right person into their life. In Jesus' name, God, deliver them from wrong relationships and help them to make wise decisions in the right one that they're to be connected to and and to be married to. God, I thank you, Lord. You give us the desires of our heart. So we just ask that you would give each person the desire of their heart, Lord, as they delight in you, as they seek you first, God, that you meet every need that they have. 
And those that feel like, man, the problems seem overwhelming, God, just give them a, give them wisdom that you will help yes. them step by step and day by day. Lord, to go after the game plan, whether it's paying off debt, whether it's resolving things, God, you give them grace for every day. So, Lord, I thank you that today they would not leave overwhelmed or discouraged, but they would leave encouraged, yes. God, and full of joy and hope yes. that you are with them and that you will strengthen them every day and that you're working things together for their good. In Jesus' name. So we just pray, Lord, yes. your protection over this these families here, your will being done in and through their lives. In Jesus' name.